How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast, where we work together to raise our vibration, lift our perspective, and build a positive mindset. My name is Henry, and we have an awesome episode today. If you are someone that has physical or emotional pain, and you are looking to feel better, this is a very powerful interview with Dr. Serena Sterling. She has a master's degree in international journalism, a doctorate in clinical psychology, and is a certified life coach. With her own experience of overcoming chronic fatigue syndrome and finding ways to alleviate her own chronic pain from years of living with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, she knows what it's like to deal and experience pain and how to heal it. So I'm so excited to share this episode. But before we get started, we're going to take a few moments to slow down. We're going to take some deep healing meditative breaths to align ourselves on the frequency that we want for the day. So pick a word, it can be love, joy, happiness, whatever frequency you want, and say that word over and over and over again as you take a deep breath in, really charging yourself up with that frequency. And then as you're holding your breath, visualize yourself doing something in that frequency. And then once you exhale, anything that no longer resonates with you will leave you in a more positive state. So let's go ahead and take a deep breath in. And out. All right, we're going to take another deep healing breath. This one is all about alignment, about allowing yourself to receive the message that you need to uplift yourself, to raise your vibration. So just imagine that you are surrounded by the most positive, uplifting energy that's meant specifically for you. And when you breathe it in, it's going to loosen up the negativity, it's going to loosen up the weight, loosen up the blocking everything that's stopping you from being the fullest version of you. And as you're holding your breath, it's going to charge that up. And then as you exhale, it's going to take it with it, leaving you an uplifted and positive state. Go ahead and take a deep breath in. And out. All right, well, enjoy this wonderful interview. All right, welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast. We have an amazing guest. This is Dr. Serena Sterling, and I just got to talk to her a little bit before the show, and there's some really exciting stuff that we're going to go into, and she has an amazing background, so I'm going to let you kind of talk about who you are and you know what, what you do. Well, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, my background is in journalism. I did a master's in international journalism in London, and then Due to some of my own um, personal experiences with chronic pain and chronic fatigue, I had to look for answers that were not being helped through the medical model, the allopathic medical model. So I searched for more of a holistic way of healing myself. And through that, I was really inspired through some of the modalities I found to then get a degree in psychology so that then I could learn some of them and then help people more on a one-to-one basis than I felt writing articles could do. And that was one of the things that drew me to you. It was the, um, what you talked about with the, you know, you came from a background that was not like self-help, you know, you were doing journalism and some of the places you mentioned that you'd been San Francisco, Oregon, you know, like that's where there's a lot of stuff going on. And then to make that shift, you know, what, why, you know, why the shift versus just treating yourself? Like, why did you want to, you know, share this journey and like help other people? That's a really good question. No one's ever actually asked me that in that way. Um, I 
I, when I was in journalism, I was always studying health journalism. Like, even though I did an international journalism degree and I was studying like, um, news, I had to read like five newspapers a day and it was so depressing. (laughs) (laughs) And they never really taught us how to read the newspaper. I, so I read like every single article. It took hours. Um, but I was always focused on health journalism and, um, And so even though I wasn't necessarily like in the self-help world, I was, I read a lot of books on my own. And so I was fascinated with how the mind could affect the body and the body could affect the mind. And so at a certain point, I was just like, you know, I want to become an expert in this myself rather than just like write and interview other people, um, write about the stories. And so I just felt like, because I'd had such, I mean, I mean, that was only like 10 years, maybe a little bit more than 10 years, but I felt like I'd had an interest in learning about that myself so that I felt like writing articles, you never really know who's going to read them. You don't even know if anyone reads them. Even when I worked at a magazine that had a distribution of 80,000 people, no one really writes the editors and it's like, Hey, that was such a great article. I learned all this information and I've a changed person. Like no one does that. <laughs> so yeah. I felt like I wanted to, I just had this, uh, I just always wanted to help people in a certain way through health, through their well being, And I felt like, um, if I could help them more than just, and I actually, my background was, I never really saw a, a therapist or psychologist. I've been working with a life coach and she okay. was really amazing, but I think that it was more out of the desire to help people on a one-to-one level and know that I could like see them making progress rather than wondering through my articles, whether I was making a difference. So that's something that uh, I understand because I do this podcast and it, podcasting is very different. So I work in fitness. So I've worked in fitness for like 10 years. So when you're training people and stuff, you do have that one-on-one connection where you see them progress or not progress, but you're there for it. And then sometimes you put out this podcast and you know that thousands of people listen to it and you don't really know how it's received. You just kind of see the numbers and stuff. And so I, that's something I ask for because I'm like, can you let me know if this is beneficial? So I totally get that. And I have this question for you. So you said something that, you know, no one had asked you in that way. So there might be a few questions like that, but this came to my mind when you're talking. So you had the chronic fatigue, which you overcame. Did that, so just so I could understand, did that start while you were working or was that something you were dealing with all your life and you just decided to make a change? I believe it really started when I was studying journalism in London. Um, I had done, I had gone to college in Portland, Oregon. I stayed for another year before I went to grad school And I was like, oh, I can handle the rain. You know, it like rains all the time in Portland. (laughs) So then I got to London though, and it's a little bit darker. It gets light a little bit later. And so you're just, it just, I don't know. It was the rain. It was the, um, I was studying mad cow disease also. And then like foot and mouth disease came out and I kind of got a little disgusted by all the food with all the, you see like these animals burning in the background of a BBC report. And so I just like developed a very bad diet of like carbs and sugar and alcohol. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know in my very early 20s. So, I feel like it started with some of the combination of the weather and the bad diet. But then I also feel like even then I was a little disillusioned by journalism because I felt like there's something else I want to do and I had no idea what it was. But my trajectory was to like find a magazine, like a health and wellness magazine to work out. So 
I think it started there because I got pretty tired, but then I like got a job at the place where I interned, which was called Spirituality and Health Magazine in New York City. So I got there in like August of 2001. And then, um, and I was really tired there. I would go, um, the World Trade Center used to have this underground mall. And I would go there every day and get lost. I have to ask police officer, like, which way did I come in <laughs> to yeah. get back? But um, I'd go back to my office. I'd sit in my chair. I'd turn it around and I'd slump down and take a nap. Like, that's not normal. No. Um, but then 9-11 happened and now I was two blocks away and I basically just repressed all my emotions because it was overwhelming and I didn't know how to deal with those overwhelming emotions. And I feel like that's what really made me extremely tired to the point that like, I have to get a diagnosis or I had to find out like, do I have a diagnosis? Is there something wrong with me? Um, so that's when I figured out that I did have chronic fatigue. So and this is a big question, but like, what gave you the ability? Because, you know, something like that, you talked about the nutrition, you know, there's people that can eat like that and be fine. They can go run a hundred miles. Right. You know, so this was like a specific thing where it was affecting you. And so with that, like, how did you take the control and, and like empower yourself to make this change? Um, well, I was, going down a slippery slope. Um, sorry if you hear my dog in the back. Okay. Um, so I was, I was, I was thinking I could self treat and I was like, you know what? I just, um, I need a stimulant. Like I was drinking, you know, my doctor was like, you have chronic fatigue. There's no cure. Stay away from sugar and caffeine. Those were the two things that were keeping me awake. So, um, I was like, all right, that's fine. Um, I'm going to figure out how to deal with this on my own. So initially I asked my friend to hook me up with some Adderall or Ritalin. Cause I was like, I've taken this in college. Like this totally helped me do a pull an all nighter. Yeah. Um, and then he was like, I can't get that for you, but I can get you cocaine. And I was oh, wow. like, um, damn it. I really don't want to have cocaine in my system while I'm working for spirituality and health magazine, no less. But yeah. I was like, you know, it's, I'll just do this until I like figure elves, figure out something else. And so there I was like doing lines of cocaine in, in my kitchen before sitting down to work at this magazine, because I had to work from home for five months because my office was getting all the ash from the uh, World Trade Center attacks, like came through yeah. the fence, so we had to clean the office. So I was like, at some point after maybe like a month of doing that, I was like, this is not who I am. Like, this is not. I do not feel good about doing this. I don't feel like I'm like this was like imposter syndrome 101 before we ever got that word. Um, and I just was like. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I just knew that like the fatigue was really connected to emotions I wasn't expressing, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to handle it because I felt like I was so in shock from everything. And I was like, I don't want to go to therapy for years and years and years and talk about this. And, um, and so I'd been introduced to a modality while I was still in college and it was really fast and really effective. Um, and I think it was just because I was like, I don't know how to cope with the magnitude of what's happened. Plus my body is breaking down. Plus like, I've just used to be so driven. I got a master's in journalism. I'm now at my dream job and none of this is really working for me. Like I have to figure out a way to 
um, to enjoy my life and to feel like I'm doing the things I want to do rather than just like going through the motions and sleeping all day when I'm not using a a substance. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay. So I found a doctor in New York that did one of these modalities that I now use. Um, and I just was like, I've got to, got to do something different. And it was a whole change. I mean, she was just like, after I, I trusted her enough to like help me with other things, she basically was like, okay, well, also this was like 2001 when we had like snack wells where you could eat 10 cookies and it would only be like, like 100 calories, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you could taste the chemicals. Yeah. Um, and so she was like, none of that. Don't buy anything that's like in a package that will last like a year, like all whole foods. I basically had to really change my diet drastically, but it made such a difference. Like in three weeks, I was like 110% better. And I was like, never going to go back to the life I had before. So, you know, that when you have a story like that, and this is something that I've noticed that like, where it's like, you went through it you can connect with people so well on that. And so when someone does come to you, because I would guess that there's a lot of people out there that are, have gone through that similar situation where, especially with pharmaceuticals, how um, I would say it's pretty easy to get, you know, I mean, it's almost more common now to find someone taking a medication than not. And so they want to make this change. Like, how do you resonate with them and like get somebody like to see the pot? Cause it's going to be, it has to get worse before it gets mm-hmm. better. When you make that change, how do you keep somebody like thinking about like, okay, I'm rewarding me a year from now by what I'm doing today. Cause we don't associate that as the same person as us. Right. And that would go along with like preventative medicine rather than like, I think we live in this very instant gratification type society where, Oh, well, it didn't work. I gave it five minutes. <laughs> it's yeah. not working, you know? So I think that, um, I think that if you're already hooked into the system of pharmaceutical medication, for example, and hoping that things will get better, then you don't really have a desire to get off that hamster wheel. But if you're been on it for a long time and nothing's getting better, your life is actually getting worse and you have all these side effects and things like that, then it's kind of like you do have to hit somewhat of rock bottom before you're like, okay, I'm going to try something different. Like this is obviously clearly not helping me. Um, The system in some way has just failed me. I'm going to try something different. I think that like you have to get to a place like that. Um, Even, even if sometimes if you're not on any sort of pharmaceutical medication, I think that sometimes uh, you have to just get to a place of like, this sucks. I can't keep going like this. I've got to make a change. Yeah. So um, with that, you know, the, re- the repressed emotions, which that seemed like that was a big part of it too. Um, and, and that's something that in this world that we're in now, I think we have the advantage that you do have time to think about your thoughts, right? We're not just hunting, gathering, and like trying to survive every day. So that creates a different challenge almost on how to live life. So how do, how does that happen? Like, how does someone even know that that's what's causing it, that they have? Cause you might think, no, I don't have anything repressed. And then you start talking to them and then they're talking about something like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And they might be in tears or laughing or something like, how does someone listening right now discover that within themselves, that maybe that's something they should pay attention to? That's a good question. Um, 
Well, I specialize in working with people who have chronic pain or medically unexplained symptoms. And so for that, it's kind of like, well, um, most people, myself included from time to time, like I, I will see, or I will feel some sort of pain in my shoulders, but nothing I was just been sitting reading my book. Nothing has changed. I did not injure myself. <laughs> like, yeah. like books didn't fall on my shoulders. All of a sudden I have pain in my shoulders. And so that is a telltale sign that that's some sort of emotional stress that has gotten into your body and you're not really, you've repressed something in some way. And we do this all the time. All that, all like you could have had some sort of, um, upsetting comment from a family member or a friend and you're just like, Oh, whatever, but whatever actually goes into your body. If you don't always express it, or if you don't acknowledge like that, that comment pissed me off. Um, and for, if it's not pain, then it can be other things just like, and, um, like more and more stress builds up or you have anxiety or depression that, um, just seems to be getting worse or you're starting to notice it more like, why are you sad? You didn't go through a breakup. You didn't like have a bad review at work. Like how come you're sad all of a sudden? Like those are kind of telltale signs that you're, you've got something on your mind that is making you feel the way you do. So like, do you ever think about that? Maybe, and this is just something in my mind. And sometimes I get out there with my thoughts, but that thoughts or words um, are things, right? They, They have like, they carry weight they carry whether some kind of vibrational frequency. And if you're not in something I call like flow state, which is a term that's used all the time, but you know, flow state where you're just kind of like zooming where you're aligned with things that are what you wanted to be aligned with. I don't want to say necessarily good or bad, but you're just aligned with what you want to be aligned with. So anything that comes into your frequency, that's not aligned to it. Like somebody saying something that would be hurtful or something like that can't really stick to you because it's a different vibration. You're just flowing. But majority of people are not in flow state. They're in, I am a reflection of everything around me state. Like I'm just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. Like my job is dictated because that's what my parents wanted me to do. I'm dating this person because that's who I think I should be dating. I make this amount of money because that's what I think I'm capable. You know, it's all these limited beliefs. Do you think that it's maybe that like that vibrational energy, which you don't want, you don't, doesn't represent you is like almost shaking your body because it's like in you. And that could be causing like this pain of like, this needs to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I like how you put that. I think that the frequency of different emotions is fascinating to me. And I would love to do more research on this. Um, but I can tell it's like I was helping a client who he was like, I'm going camping this weekend. And I'm okay with the weight in my backpack. But the weight of this other thing, this like, he couldn't figure out what it was. So I helped him with it. And it was basically like, um, one of the guys he was going camping with just had like all this unexpressed um, grief from a family member who had died. And he was just like, I can feel it. And he, he makes all these jokes, but he never talks about it. And so my client was in like holding all this mental pain that was like, it's not tangible. It's not like the same weight of like all the things he's putting in his pack, but it's like this other weight, that frequency you're talking about that, I think we hold on to, and that can be heavier than any sort of actual physical weight we carry. Yeah, well, it's definitely heavier, right? Because it's part of the bigger thing, it's part of the universe with that stuff versus this material stuff is 
finite. And so I, I totally get that. So, so chronic pain, is it gone? Like, would you say that through what you've done, it's gone? Or is it like something that you constantly work on? Like, how does that go if someone's dealing with that? And it is, you know, the issues that you can resolve, like meaning it's not like an undiscovered torn shoulder or something like that. Um, you know, how, how does it go? Um, well, for me, the chronic fatigue did go away when I was in New York working with that doctor. Um, I've had arthritis since I was nine. Um, and I don't really have a lot of pain anymore, but I do have some physical limitations, but I find that like my body will talk to me like through pain. This is just how, if I'm not fully expressing something or something's bothering me, or I'm picking up something from another person, even my body's going to alert me to that. Um, I've had to learn how to not take on things from other people because especially with clients, otherwise I'm not really being of service to them. But I think that there are things that you can do practically speaking so that you can one, identify what's bothering you and then also release it. So if something is on your mind a lot and you are basically thinking that you're recycling the same thoughts and feelings, um, well, there are a few things you can do. One is um, you can have someone else program your phone to go off at like two different times a day. And the reason you want someone else to do this is because it should be a surprise. Like, don't go into your settings and be like, oh, that my friend said it at 248. Like, you want to be surprised. And then when it goes off, you want to make note of where are you? What are you doing? And how are you feeling? physically and emotionally. And you do that for about a week. And over the course of a few days, even you'll start to see a pattern. So I did this as a experiment for one of my classes in grad school. And I realized that I was very little of the time was I in the present moment, I was really like rehashing something from the past or like envisioning the future. And I was very, very critical of myself. And, and then that same semester, I had a problem breaking out into hives and I've never had hives before. Um, and I was like, oh, it's statistics. I hate statistics. <laughs> it was just a stress yeah. response to that. But in fact, it was like, I was so critical of myself that my body would erupt into these hives as a way of being like, like emotions and skin conditions are very, um, are very tied together. So you think about blushing um, when you're embarrassed or being really angry and your face gets really red. And so for me, it was like, <clears throat> Um, just being so critical of myself, my body being like, stop, you're so mean. You know, you would never be like as critical of yourself. You would never be as critical to other people as you are to yourself. Like you would never say the things you say to yourself to like your best friend or your partner or someone like that. But Oh yeah. And, and again, I think that goes to, you know, the, the time that we have really to reflect now and we don't use it. We just tackle on more stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like more and more things. And so that's like your body saying like, Hey, like, let's address the situation. So what, and this is the the big thing I want to know, like, so you have the cutting edge modalities, like what, what are some of the modality modalities that you do and you know, how do they affect people? Like, how does it work? So the, the base one I've used as a foundational, um, I've taken so many different modalities and courses and things like that. And the few that have stuck, one is called neuroemotional technique. And it was actually developed by a chiropractor, but then I, I learned it um, while I was in grad school for psychology. And basically 
it uses muscle testing and I work with people remotely. So even though muscle testing, it can be used, um, it can be used remotely. So I'm just tapping into the other person's energy. Um, and then it uses, like, I basically find a way to ask the body for answers. And then I find out like what emotion that person is feeling. And then we can trace it back to an earlier time when that emotion, uh, was being felt, but it never got fully processed. So now in the present, you're getting re-triggered plus the stuff from your past that never got processed. Um, so that's one of them. And then I've just learned a bunch of other ones that I've like, maybe I don't take everything from, um, the lifeline technique. I take like all the different emotions from the different organs of the body. So like in, um, liver, gallbladder, they're like <clears throat> 40 different emotions. And then, um, Hakomi, I guess, or some of them, they're just psyche. They're different things. And I don't, I just bring what I find is most helpful. And then it's kind of like, maybe I should create my own system, but <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's like one thing. So, okay. Muscle testing for one, I, I love, and I have a personal experience with it. Um, Cause without that, I don't know how much I would believe in it. Right. Cause it initially just tell somebody about muscle testing and how you can, you know, kind of like yeah. break your fingers apart and test things to see if it's in alignment with you and stuff like that. I just, it's one of those things for me, I had to see to believe and, and the experience I had with it is, is amazing. And so a lot of times, cause you're going right up my alley with this stuff. I, I love it, but I had, there's a mix of people that are listening to this podcast. You know, there's people that are very into like the Western medicine of things. And, um, I even Western medicine, you know, acknowledges like the placebo effect. So placebo effect has to come from something right? It's not magic. Like it, it, if you can take a sugar pill and get the same benefit as someone that took the, you know, one that was formulated to help, then there's something else that can cure it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's your mind. So that means there's more to this. And so muscle testing is one of the most amazing things. And I don't know if that's easy to explain, but since you do practice it and you talked about, it, can you kind of share what muscle testing is, you know, for people that are mm-hmm. listening, because I, I love it. Sure. Yes. I, I was so skeptical when I first had it done also and and had it done in person by a chiropractor. And I was like, no, 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 test my muscle again. I wasn't ready. (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) because it seems magical. It doesn't like, so if I was in person with you, I'd be holding your arm out and I'd be pressing on it. And you're obviously stronger than I am. Like you're a guy, like you work out, like it's not about physical strength though. It's about like what your body is responding to. And so chiropractors use this, they call it applied kinesiology. Um, and muscle testing is more of just like a manual muscle test is a very, very, um, basic form of applied kinesiology, but basically chiropractors are looking for a structural interference. Like they'll go hold your arm out, press on it, and then they'll go up and down your spine looking for where the subluxation is and you need to be adjusted. Whereas I'm looking for what thought feeling belief is causing you to be weak in your mind and body. And so, um, so you can think of also like a substance, like I could give you a pack of cigarettes, have you hold them to your lungs and test your muscle. And it's going to weaken you because it's toxic substance. The same can be said for like, if you have, um, a belief about yourself that isn't in alignment with who you really are it's going to be weakening your body. Or we can take like the example of a nightmare. Like you probably have had nightmares before and you, you know, wake up and you're like breathing heavily and your heart rate is racing. 
Okay, so you weren't really um, being chased by a pack of wild hippos, but mm-hmm. it felt like that. And so I would find where I would test your muscle and it would be weak because there's something, there's some fear or terror or something, and then we can find the emotion. But basically I'm asking your body for answers. Whereas like we have become very um, good at lying like our minds can lie. We can convince ourselves of things, but our bodies don't lie. So I'm asking the body through muscle testing to give me a reading. Um, and that's how I get my information. And so you can even like, so you're the people listening can try this at home. They can like stand up, they can take something, um, you know, from their cabinet and test it on themselves. And like, they, first of all, you are going to stand up straight and then just, See, you're going to sway a little bit, but then you take a substance that you think might not be the best for you and you hold it to your body. And if you f- sway backwards, it's not good for you. And if you sway forwards, it's, a, it's fine. Um, but that's how you could do it on yourself. If you don't do like the finger finger test. Apart. Yeah. Yeah. The finger <laughs> test. Definitely. That one always, I, I don't always know if it's me doing it or not, you know, with it, but when I practice it more, it gets easier. Um, so just look up the, you know, muscle testing finger test, if you want to know what that is, but the swaying is, is certainly doable. And to your point and, and what she's talking about, how you can do this remotely. And this is why, um, I believe this is a friend of mine who I used to work with. Um, he introduced me to a lot of this holistic killing and, and all this stuff. And he, um, wild person, just like completely out there, but, uh, he started showing me things and we were on a plane one time. And uh, we're flying and there's this baby crying on the plane. And so the mom gets up and she's, you know, bouncing the baby, walking back forth and keeps crying. You know, it's altitude change, stuff like this. And this was years ago, you know, before masks and all that stuff. So it wasn't like anything like that. And he looks at me and he says, do you want me to make the baby stop crying? And uh, I was like, I guess, yeah, that'd be nice. And so he kind of closes his eyes and he starts doing the, the finger test. And he's like connecting with the baby. And like within 30 seconds, the baby stopped crying and didn't cry the rest of the flight and he's like yeah the baby just had a little pressure in, in his head so i just relieved that and i'm like what are you talking about so it's the craziest thing and he's he's worked on some of my friends and they've told me just you know the experiences they he's never actually done any work on me um he did help me when i had vertigo but uh just some of the stuff like seeing it is like crazy like seeing him work on people so it, it absolutely uh can work you know mm-hmm. if you allow it to, to do it um, with that. So you do it remotely. So how does that work? Do people um, connect with you like through Zoom or something like that? And you talk to them, do a bone, like how does that work? Yeah, I connect with them through Zoom. Um, I used to see people in person and then uh, I started doing Zoom and it works just as well. Um, and I was, yeah, I think what you're saying about your friend, like intention is extremely powerful also. And I don't know, I can't explain sometimes like I'm here, I'm working on someone in Chicago, her insomnia gets better. (laughs) Like the thing is I had a friend who was an anesthesiologist and he was like, you know, we don't fully understand how anesthesia works, but it does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm not taking people close to death though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, but there are a lot of things that we can't fully explain, but we, we do it and we see that it works. So, Oh yeah. I mean, we absolutely, all we can do is explain things to the best of our ability. And 
in 10 years, how we explained it before, it'd be limited to how we can explain it then. So, you know, it's always changing. Unfortunately, with things like this and, and really the holistic and side of Eastern medicine, all that stuff, a lot of it is almost set back because of how we did with, the, you know, the whole medical system. And I don't really want to, you know, get into that for that um, stuff. But, you know, so, so someone's hurting, um, they're, they're dealing with the chronic fatigue. I actually see that a lot. Um, working in fitness, a lot of people will come to the gym and they're, they're tired all the time. And so they think that they're just mm. going to join the gym and that's going to give more energy, which, yeah, I mean, if you exercise, it's going to help doing something positive, but they, they assume that they're just they're not motivated to work out at all. And then they're going to join a gym, go to work all day and then go work out. And, you know, that's, although I'm in fitness and I want them to join, you know, it'd be hard for me to say, don't join. I think there's things that with your mindset that you could probably get in alignment first, you know, before you, you like try to, you know, they'll, they'll join the gym and go run for an hour and they've never ran, you know, they go like this hundred, like trying to do everything as fast as they can to get results. How do you, you know, pace somebody with getting results? Like, how do you say like, you know, okay, well, this is, you're not going to talk to me once to be better. They might, you know, but you know, how do you do that? Like what, what can someone expect to commit to their wellness? Um, well, the modalities I use actually do get results, um, within that first session. Okay. If they don't, then I'm probably not a good fit for them. Um, but sometimes, I, I mean, I put people on a treatment plan of a few months, um, okay. which in the whole scheme of things is not that long a time if they've had chronic pain for like five years or something, but, um, I do it that way so that. I help them understand what emotions they're repressing, why, like what events transpired that got them to the point that they are in, and then help them like kind of make those connections so that they can start doing some of this on their own. Um, but like normally, like, yeah, I would say like, you know, in, in well, it's hard to say. Like sometimes you go to a therapist and you're like, okay, when am I going to feel better? And sometimes in like traditional therapy, sometimes you feel worse before you get better. Yeah. Um, and some other things like, um, if you're going to a naturopath, you really have to change how you're eating, what you're eating. And so that's not going to happen overnight. Um, uh, I think that it takes maybe like a week to see a difference in how you feel physically when you're doing something like diet and nutrition, but for some of these things that are like, um, you know, let's find the emotion that got stuck in your body and release it. That can happen in just like 10 or 15 minutes sometimes. Okay. So like the emotion stuff, you feel like, you know, you're able to connect and heal really fast. It's more of the material stuff where it's, you know, okay. Yeah. If you, you've been eating like that for the past 30 years, eating healthy today is not going to make you feel better. It's going to take you're probably going to feel worse because you're going to crave all the stuff that you were having. So how do you coach people with that? Like say they come to you and they're dealing with chronic fatigue, like they're dealing with it all, you know, and, and they've, they've got the emotions, they're depressed, they've got chronic fatigue. Um, how, you know, how do you inspire somebody to, you know, cause it ultimately has to come within because they're not going to be around you 24 seven, but you know, what, words of advice or encouragement that someone might be listening right now wondering like okay I do want to feel better but like I'm just so tired of this like I just don't want to do it anymore like how do you inspire them well I would say that it's it takes um 
asking yourself certain questions and asking yourself like, okay, if I don't do anything, if I just remain inactive around this piece, where am I going to be in five months or in a year? If I'm in the same place in a year, how is that going to make me feel like what, what is that affecting in my life? Like I have a dog. Is my dog kind of like, there used to be a commercial where the dog was like really upset that it wasn't going for a walk. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. That but I have a dog and I feel like, you know, or even you have friends or a partner, like you can't really be living at your fullest potential. If you are feeling really tired or if you're feeling, if, I mean, it's hard when you're sad and, um, grieving something or you're just feeling like I I want to give up like I just don't want to do this anymore like it's true or you can also decide like there's so much more I could do how do I get that and the first step is one taking that awareness of like okay this isn't working I want more for myself and I'm going to start taking charge of my health because no one else is coming to save me no one else is doing it for me and even if you have friends who are like I'm concerned about you like it's not really their responsibility to pick you up and do it because like you said, they're not going to be there with you 24 seven. So um, I think that if you start to take stock of like, how is this actually really impacting my life? Like, how am I showing up at work? Like, do I have dreams and desires and I'm just putting to the wayside because I feel so bad. Um, there's, it's kind of just like asking yourself questions of how, bad things have gotten and how much you want to change or how much you're just like, okay, with the world passing you by and feeling like you're not a part of it, I think. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, um, you know, that's it, right. It has to be that decision. Like, am I going to do this or not? And then the commitment following that. And so that kind of segues right into your book. So, you know, the title of the book is pain, a love story. So that's why I kind of feel like it goes right into it. So, so tell us a little bit about the book and, you know, why would somebody want to read it? You know, what's, what's it giving them, you know, what's, what's it about? It's, um, it's about my, well, it's two things. I wrote it and I explained how I have had all these different experiences in my life. It started with developing juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. And that I believe is self-induced. You talked about the placebo um, effect earlier. And it basically what I believe I did when I was eight years old, and then I was diagnosed at nine, um, is called the nocebo effect, where I basically believed that I had pain in my body, so that I would get attention from my parents. Um, and I got into this role of like, Oh, I can't do a handstand, I my feet hurt, you know, and, and it, within a few months, I developed pain. So it yeah. started with that. And then I, in, I weave in other stories of how like, having difficulty with my brother or relationships then caused pain in my body. And then I weave in through all those stories, different um, client case examples of people who've come to me who have physical or emotional pain in the ways I've gone about working with them. And so it's called pain, a love story, because I believe that our relationships can wound us, but they can also heal us. And so through the stories, and it's all stories, there's nothing in there that's like, okay, here, here are the seven steps to do this, this, and this. It's more of like, I think people remember stories a little bit better than steps. Yeah, I love stories. So so that's why I go into the stories and expl really express like, okay, so this person, you know, 
wanted to feel better in their body. And it turned out that <clears throat> they weren't aware of their mother's pain, for example. And then, so I kind of connect the dots so that then people can read that and be like, oh, that's like the example with my, my, my dad, for example. Yeah. Well, that with the arthritis thing, I mean, that's uh, a very, like the mind is extremely powerful and not only can it manifest, I mean, it does, that's what it does, right? Whatever's in your mind is going to be, you know, what, what's within is going to be your exterior, um, you know, or at least how you perceive it. And it reminded me, and I've, I've never actually said this out loud, but it's definitely what happened um, in 10th grade um, in high school, I used to play football and I just didn't want to do it. Like I, I just didn't want to play and, but I wasn't going to quit. You know, I didn't want to be the guy that quit the team or anything like that, but um, I ended up tearing my MCL and I know that it was because like I was just looking for a way out like I remember I would think like man if I got hurt then I couldn't play anymore or things like that and then it happened hmm. and I wonder you know that probably happens so often and we just don't correlate it to because no one like I didn't really want to get hurt but if you're thinking that in your mind you know even softly mm -hmm. it can happen and like you know how you project on the people like these people are going to treat me like they're going to think this about me, then that's probably what they're going to think about you because you're probably going to manifest it in some way and stuff like that. So it's the same way you know, with that pain. And so I love that you do it through a story though, because people do resonate with stories because they generally put themselves in the positions that they've been through similar to that story. And hopefully, you know, it has insight so that way they can grow out of it. Yeah. Um, that was my intention. Um, and we all come from different families that, um, like some, some are really encouraging and some were kind of like, no, we're, we're not really going to show you a lot of affection. And all of that has an impact. Like two people could have the same car accident, but they come from such different families and the way that they cope with the car accident are so different that someone may heal from that really quickly and easily. And the other person doesn't. Um, yeah. some of what you were saying earlier about your injury reminded me of like athletes that I used to work with. And it's kind of like, like baseball players, basketball players, they'll develop an injury and they can always be like, Oh, I just, you know, I worked out too hard, but actually it comes down to like the pressure they feel to compete or like not being number one when they were number one in college. And now they're yeah. you know in the pros, all, all sorts of anxieties and pressures. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all true. And you know, the thing when it comes to like your, your childhood and like the experience that you have, you know, I'm definitely someone that believes that we exist before and after this life that, you know, it's not just this. And so that's where fairness kind of goes out the window, like whether it was intentional or not, that's your experience. And so, um, how does, you know, how do you provide insight on that? Because if, like for me, I was fortunate, um, even though I did grow up in a split, split um, parent home and it wasn't like we were wealthy or anything like that. We were definitely making it to the, the dollar at the end of the month, you know, but um, I, to me, it was a really good childhood and I had a mom that was really caring and supportive and, and loving and stuff. And so, you know, if you have that, sometimes it's hard to tell other people like, well, you know, you chose that or something and you know, that's your opportunity. But in reality, that's something that does inspire me is that maybe you did choose that hard path because you wanted to experience success or growth through that resistance. Like we know if you go do squats in the gym, 
like that's going to grow your body, grow your legs. Like we know that's going to do it. But when you're in the middle of a squat, you're not like enjoying life usually. And so if your consciousness just became aware in the middle of the squat, you're like, why in the heck did I do this? But because you don't have that connection to you prior that was like, oh, I'm going to do this because I want to get strong, be faster, grow my legs and stuff. And sometimes I feel like that's how life is. It's like, we just start right in the thick of it. And like, why would I do this? But there is opportunity to come out the other side. That's a really good analogy. Because when you're in like a really stressful, difficult period in your life, you're just trying to make your way through it. You're not in the moment being like, hmm, I think I must have like decided on this (laughs) to help me with the major purpose in life of like understanding love. Like no one, I don't know that anyone really, it's on the other side of it where you're like, oh, I understand. Okay. So that probably helped me understand how to get through a challenge and you keep having more challenges, but in the middle of it, you're just not really understanding why you're having it. It's not until later, I think. Yeah. And I mean, I say it this way too. It's like, whether that's truth or not, it's definitely a good way to think about it because at least it makes you the hero of your own story. You know? Um, Yeah, that's great. I think it's true. So, okay. So the best way for people to contact, I mean, obviously the book, I think it's a a must check out. And so I'll put the link to your website, to the book, you know, right in the description so you can find it. But, you know, if someone is looking for more than that, like, you know, who, is the person that you could help? Like if you're thinking, if someone's listening, like, okay, I have chronic fatigue or, you know, I'm feeling, I have these injuries all the time that I don't understand, or, you know, I'm just stuck in life, you know, like who is the person that should reach out to you and connect with you and how do they do it? Well, if you are feeling like you've tried a lot of different avenues, because sometimes people end up seeing like, 12 different doctors and they get to me because it's either like they've been in therapy for, for a long time and therapy is great. And I often refer to other therapists, psychologists, but if you're kind of like at the end of the day, like you're still not making progress um, and you still have some level of distress in your life and you're not sure how to make sense of it, that would be someone um, as well as someone who's had like chronic pain that hasn't really gone away. Maybe it's in your shoulder, but then it ends up like going away, but then you feel it in your feet and it just keeps like, you're like a pinball machine for chronic pain. Like it keeps going around your body. Um, or if you just, um, yeah, athletes, especially, you know, if you're kind of like, well, I keep getting these injuries out of nowhere and I don't know why. Um, I mean, there are all sorts of people, but I would say mainly when you feel like you're in this loop of like not getting better, but you've tried other things. And, um, and if you're ready to do the work, because some people um, want help, but some people are better for doing the, like the long-term talk it out for years. I see people it's intense, but you get results and you get them quickly. Um, So if you're open to like doing inner growth, investigative, like I am the way that I am because of these issues, then by all means, um, feel free to get in touch by my website, which is drserenasterling.com. Okay, perfect. And, and that, that'll be linked in the description. Of course, you can check it out. And, you know, I think that if you have tried different things or you have it and you do resonate with like trying something different, trying to um, really heal yourself. Like if you're going to commit to that, 
um, it's to me a lifelong journey at that point, right? That's the gift is you get to heal this stuff for the rest of your experience here. And I think dealing and working with people that have gone through it themselves, no one's going to understand you more. So, you know, that's where that connection can, can be great. So, well, um, Serena, I really appreciate you joining the show. There's so much just, you know, positivity that I think you're bringing to people. I love that you're going for that one-on-one approach, especially, you know, when there's so many courses and masterminds and all things out there, which are great because it does kind of lower sometimes the cost of entry to get into stuff. There's still nothing that compares to one-on-one and really connecting with someone and being there and, and working with them, you know, so I wish you all the best. Um, go ahead and check out our website. It's the really good stuff on there. There's testimonials. There's the book. You can order the book right from the website and then just a little bit more background uh, on there. But thank you so much for joining and have a great day and we'll catch everybody next time.